following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Well, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 1. We're going to set aside our study of the book of Luke this morning, um, as much as it pains me to do so. Uh, we're going to look at John's gospel instead. We're going to read verses 1 through 18, which is on page 886 uh, in the Pew Bibles, but we're really only going to focus on verse 14. And this section from John's gospel is is John's nativity account, um, but he doesn't he doesn't include any virgins or shepherds or angels or mangers or stables or anything like that. No, no cattle lowing or, or little drummer boys, no stars shining or wise men wandering around. But without the truth contained in these verses, there is no Christmas. So let's look at it together. John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own And his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, again, as we come to your word this morning, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and soft hearts to receive the message that you have for us. We thank you for preserving this word for us. We thank you for those who gave their lives to deliver your word in a language we can understand. We praise you for that gift. Most of all, we praise you for the gift of your son, 
And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So how is this a nativity account? Doesn't seem very nativity-like, does it? Well, let's compare it to Matthew chapter 1. It is Christmas after all. Matthew 1.18 Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Matthew and Luke both give us accounts of the arrival of Jesus as a baby born in Bethlehem to a virgin. And these are the, these are the images on our Christmas cards, right? These are uh, the subject of our Christmas carols. And there's nothing wrong with that. But John gives us the account of the spiritual realities of Christmas, the spiritual realities of Jesus' birth. That he wasn't just some random, random baby that grew up to be a good man and a good teacher. John shows us that he wasn't just just some, well, maybe really special baby that grew up to be a great prophet. John's account shows us the reality that Jesus is God. That's really important. I just, I just want to throw that out there. That's really, really important. Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, For in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And he wrote again in Colossians 2, 9, For in him, in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. This is the issue I have with Christmas. Because we squeeze Jesus down into a baby's body and leave him there. And that totally misses the point. It's the fullness of God dwelling bodily. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Amen. The baby born in Bethlehem was not just some baby, not even some really special baby. The baby born in Bethlehem is God made flesh. The exact imprint of God's nature. And he upholds the universe 
by the word of his power. (laughs) That's a lot to squeeze into a Christmas card. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Even the disciples were like, Jesus, show us, show us the father. And I, I believe the, the original translation is, dude, <laughs> if you've seen me, you have seen the father. Because Jesus is God. And that's no joke. John calls Jesus the word there in John 1. Logos, right? The, the very expression and content of God's special revelation of himself. That's what John is trying to express there. We were having a conversation the other night about the word exegesis. Um, or as Daniel likes to say, exegesis, I guess. With the, and, that was, I guess that was just a... You and me, Daniel. So, <laughs> right. The word exegesis is, is to explain the message, right? It's a Greek word. But this is, this is where the Bible uses that word exegesis, that Jesus is the very expression of the Father, God's special revelation of himself. And that word, that expression of God's character, became flesh. And it's important that John uses the words become flesh. Some translations say, and the word became a human being, or the word became a man. Um, and, And this is just another reason why I'm fussy about translations, because that really does not express the whole picture of God becoming flesh. Because... It's a more, it's a, it's, at least to me, it's a more visceral picture of all of the frailties and weakness that comes with flesh, like being a person. This is, life isn't easy and there, there's trouble and weakness and hardship. And Jesus had all of that except for sin. He didn't just become a human being. He became flesh. And all of the trouble that comes with that, Jesus experienced. We can't forget that. Like, uh, Jesus is just not some two-dimensional cartoon. He experienced what we experience, yet without sin. All the temptation, all the hardship... All the pangs of hunger and and cramps from sleeping wrong. I, Jesus went through all of that. We can't forget that. The term flesh in Scripture, every time it's used, is not a flattering picture. It's a picture of weakness and frailty. It's the flesh is always described as weak. It's not a symbol of strength at all. And this is further evidence of Christ's humility. Right? He didn't not he didn't become not God anymore. 
He didn't lay aside his deity. He added to his deity humanity. Right? He didn't lose anything by becoming flesh. He gained a whole nother dimension. Paul wrote again in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Another beautiful picture of Christ's humility. John writes that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that that word dwelt among us is a fun word as well. If you've heard very many sermons on this particular text, um, preachers love this kind of stuff. Um, the word dwelt uh, means to tent out. It, it um, means to tabernacle, right? Um, to literally pitch your tent. Um, the word, <laughs> I think it's fun, um, the word became flesh and pitched his tent among us, right? The word became flesh and went camping with humanity. This is to pitch your tent, to tabernacle. That's exactly how the Lord manifested his presence with Israel as they wandered in the desert for 40 years. They pitched a tent, God's designed tent, right? Engineers put a lot of time and effort into designing tents to make them all the things. It's because we are made in God's image, because he's the first tent designer. You can look in the book of Exodus and find down to the cubit, right? 18 inches of the design of this tent that God used to manifest his presence. God did this in the Old Testament in a literal tent. And in the New Testament, he gives us the figurative tent of the frail human flesh. He dwelt among us. And in that tent in the Old Testament, not everybody could go in. And the time that uh, Moses was was able to be in God's presence. His face shone with uh, what they call the Shekinah glory of God. And he put a veil over his face so the people wouldn't see that glory fading as he came down to see them. And that's kind of a sad, I think it's kind of a sad thing to hide that glory. Uh, one of my favorite scholars, J.P. Lang, wrote, Faith lifts the veil of Christ's humanity and worships his divine glory. There is more to Jesus right, than just flesh, not just another man, not just a great teacher, not just a good person. And by faith, we can see through his humanity, through the tent, and worship his divine glory. And that's exactly what we're after this morning. To lift the veil of, of the human baby in the manger. To lift the veil of that whole stable scene. And worship the divine son of God in all his glory. 
John says that we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. Now, there's some debate about this among the scholars as to whether John meant uh, that only he and the other apostles had seen his glory, or if he meant the whole church has seen his glory, or if he meant the whole world has seen his glory. And while it's true that the Apostle John did witness Christ's transfiguration on the Mount, uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, and he did see Jesus after he had been raised from the dead, and he was there at Christ's ascension into heaven. But I'm left wondering, it can't just be him. It can't just be them. Haven't you seen the glory of the Lord? Haven't you witnessed answers to prayer? Haven't you witnessed people come to faith in him? Haven't you witnessed with your own eyes Jesus at work in the lives of individuals and churches through the power of the Holy Spirit? Have we not beheld his glory? I think we have, at least to a degree. And he's still at work. And he's still revealing his glory to us. His glory is the glory of God's one and only Son. Completely unique. Like the song said, begotten, not created. Jesus is not a created being. He is God. He is completely unique. As Hebrews said, again, the exact imprint of God's nature. And what is God's nature like? Full of grace and truth, just like Jesus. Jesus is grace and truth personified. Some people think we give gifts at Christmas because the wise men gave gifts to the baby. But if you read Matthew, they didn't give gifts to a baby. They gave gifts to a boy, not in a manger, but in a house. Just it's why the wise men didn't get any candles last night. Just because they come next in Matthew's account doesn't mean it was immediately. Um, but I don't think that's why we give. I don't think that's why we give gifts at Christmas to remember um, the gifts of the wise men. I think we give gifts at Christmas because we have been given the gift of Jesus. That's exactly what the word grace means, full of grace and truth. Grace means gift, free gift. We have been given the free gift of Jesus. John Calvin called Jesus an inexhaustible fountain of grace and truth. What a beautiful picture. And Warren Wiersbe wrote, The law could reveal sin, but it could never remove sin. Jesus came with the fullness of grace and truth, and this fullness is available to all who will trust in him. Jesus in his fullness is the gift that is available to us this Christmas. When we give our lives to him by faith, he gives us so much more in return. He gives us himself. 
an inexhaustible fountain of grace and truth. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we are so grateful for the gift that is Jesus, the Word made flesh, who pitched his tent with us, frail humanity, born to die in our place on the cross, to bear our sin to the grave, that we might be forgiven and to not taste eternal death, but to live forever in, in your kingdom with you. We're so grateful. What a gift. I pray that we would not neglect that gift. We would not set that gift aside, but hold that, hold that up as the most important thing in our lives, not just a Sunday thing or a holiday thing, but every moment of every day, we would remember the gift that is Jesus and that you would help us to order our lives around that. Help us, Lord, to say no to sin, to follow you with our whole hearts, to remember how much you gave for us and how little you require of us. Father, we're so grateful for your grace. We're so thankful for your son. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.